Good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll look at the 2021 insect summary. Also, we'll chat with Fawn Jackson with the Canadian Cattlemen's Association, who was over in Glasgow recently for the COP26 meeting. And up first in today's country comment, Clyde Graham, Fertilizer Canada's Executive Vice President, will join us on the program. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us on the program today is Clyde Graham, Fertilizer Canada's Executive Vice President. You know, the current uh, market situation with fertilizer is driven by two things. One is, uh, as the world economy uh, emerges from the global pandemic and there's strong economic growth, we're facing a rise in prices of uh, a whole range of various commodities, including grains and oil seeds. Um, but but also metals and other um, primary materials, and and that uh, fertilizer is a is a part of that. Um, and uh, so and and at the same time, we have had some supply disruptions. Uh, uh, you know, we've had uh, consequences of natural gas prices rising dramatically in Europe and leading to. Uh, a shutdown of at least one uh, nitrogen manufacturing facility in the UK. Um, We've had uh, weather-related consequences in uh, Louisiana for nitrogen and and phosphate in Florida as well due to significant uh, storms. Um, And and we've had uh, some countries like uh, China and Russia uh, put limitations on export of uh, fertilizer products. And so a lot of these things coming together have created uh, a, a difficult fertilizer uh, market. Clyde, do you find uh, this year farmers are putting less less fertilizer down just to you know not disrupt the soil? Or, well, you know, I don't, I don't think I think it's too early to tell what growers are going to be doing. And of course, the majority of uh, the fertilizer for the twenty twenty two growing season will really go down in the uh, in the spring. But certainly, I think a lot of growers are lo- who have been affected were affected by the drought last uh, summer uh, will probably be looking at their residual soil nutrient levels to see if uh, they uh, uh, you know what, what what that means for their fertilizer application rates for the twenty twenty two growing season. So, I, but I do think it's too early uh, to tell. I think the flip side of that is that, of course, fertilizer or grain and oilseed prices are quite. Uh, quite strong right now and uh growers will also be looking to maximize their uh, yields next spring so it's probably a a bit of a uh to and fro to decide where where to go for growers um i guess one thing i would say that is uh you know you you mentioned uh you know concerns uh certainly we would encourage growers to be in you know early contact with their agri-retailers you know, about uh, their fertilizer needs for this fall, for the farmers that are putting on uh, fertilizer this fall, and certainly for uh, next uh, spring in terms of the crops uh, they're going to be growing and the, uh, and, and the, the quantities of fertilizer uh, they need. Agri-retailers are really best positioned to give farmers advice on the fertilizer market and their buying decisions. I think something else we're also recommending is that uh, – um, you know, farmers should be planning out their agronomy uh, program as well in terms of their fertilizer. And we really 
think the best way to do that is through uh, a four-hour nutrient stewardship program that involves analysis of the best source of fertilizer and applying it at the right rate, the right time, and the right place. Uh, and, you know, working with a certified crop advisor is an excellent way to maximize the value that farmers get for their fertilizer dollar. And I guess uh, a soil test is probably the first step to determine, I guess, what needs to go in. Well, yeah, soil tests are tried and true uh, in terms of uh, giving a good picture of what's in the soil. Uh, But there are other uh, ways of uh, determining soil fertility as well. But certainly, I would be uh, encouraging uh, growers to be working with a certified crop advisor to analyze what, uh, uh, you know, what will be the best fertility package for for the 2022 growing season. That was Clyde Graham, Fertilizer Canada's Executive Vice President. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. November is Canada Career Month. Shayla Hertz is Think Egg Manager with Agriculture in the Classroom Canada. The whole uh, idea behind Think Egg is ultimately to tell teens that agriculture is a place that's full of diversity. It means diverse careers. It means diverse interests that are needed and skills. And so we just really want youth to understand that whatever their skills and interests are, there is a place for them in agriculture. And we really want to encourage youth that don't maybe come from a farming background to also consider careers in agriculture and food. And Manitoba Agriculture has released its insect summary for 2021. Grasshoppers and flea beetles were two of the top concerns. Entomologist John Gavlosky. The big thing with flea beetles and canola is if you can get the crop to at least the three to four leaf stage quite quickly from the time you seed, your risk of damage uh, is lower. This year, there were fields where people were seeded and it took a long time for the plants to germinate and then to grow through those susceptible stages. So in addition to the seed treatments being on the plant, there was a lot of additional foliar spring that went on. Uh, I had reports of up to um, some growers using up to four different insecticide applications for flea beetles. So uh, that was at the high end. He says diamondback moth was a concern in canola in some regions from mid-July to mid-August. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Friday, November 5th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from Fawn Jackson with the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. She attended the COP26 meeting recently in Glasgow, Scotland. Fawn Jackson with the Canadian Cattlemen's Association attended the COP26 meeting recently in Glasgow, Scotland. I caught up with her earlier this week. I was in Glasgow uh, representing Canadian uh, farmers and was Uh, able to participate on a panel um, where we discuss the important contributions that agriculture can make for uh, the fight against climate change. Tell us a little bit about the panel and uh, I guess just your overall impressions of the the, uh, meeting. Yeah, well, uh, certainly the panel uh, was very interesting uh, from uh, uh, who was all sitting uh, on that panel. We had a producer... Uh, who represented the Pan-African um, uh, farmers constituents, and uh, I believe she said that they represent uh, 80 million farmers. So, holy, uh, that's, that's quite the number. Uh, and then we also had the president um, from the National Farmers Union uh, here in the UK. Uh, and then we also had a representative 
uh, from the IUCN, uh, who, uh, of course, works on conservation and, and biodiversity um, and that intersection in between agriculture and, and conservation, and, and then myself. And we all talked about how uh, agriculture is truly a, a very large um uh, is going to be very able to contribute to fighting climate change. And I think that lots uh, what people hear is uh, perhaps the problems with agriculture, uh, but certainly they don't hear some of, of the solutions. And one of the points that I made uh, during the panel uh, in Canada, uh, Canadian farmers and ranchers uh, who operate on around 40 million acres of, of grasslands are truly one of the largest or if not the largest conservation organization in Canada in many ways. And so if we can make improvements on those lands that they're managing, uh, making sure that we're not losing uh, further grasslands, but we're able to store that carbon, uh, that we're able to make further reductions in, in methane emissions um, through improved practices and through new things such as feed additives, um, agriculture really is the solution for for the future for the fight against climate change. Just wanted to touch a little bit more on the uh, on the strategy here. Uh, can you touch on some of the points that um, you know that are part of that strategy in, in reducing um, emissions? Sure. So uh, the Canadian beef industry has brought together multi stakeholders through the Canadian Roundtable uh, for Sustainable Beef, um, and we worked on uh, a strategy as to where we want to go by twenty thirty. And so our goals include reducing primary uh, production greenhouse gas emission intensity by 33% by 2030, sequestering an additional 3.4 million tons of carbon every year through improved uh, management practices, safeguarding the existing 1.5 billion tons of carbon already stored on lands that are managed with beef cattle, and then also reducing food loss and waste uh, by 50% by 2030. So some big goals, uh, but we also have a strategy on how we're going to uh, achieve them. And I have no doubt that um, with this renewed interest in how agriculture can uh, contribute to, to the fight against climate change, um, that there'll also be funding that will uh, go along with that. And, and uh, with all these different stakeholders at the table and some uh, in- increased uh, funding and um, what somebody called the, the farming and agriculture crew, the eco workhouse, uh, workhorse, sorry, uh, that we're we're going to be able to get a lot done. Was there any other takeaways uh, for you from the uh, COP26 meeting? I know there was a lot going on over there. There certainly is a, a lot of conversations going on here uh, in Glasgow. Uh, you know, I think the real key for me is uh, that there is going to be a lot of financing that is coming uh, that I hope can get down to farmers and ranchers and certainly we'll be working um, to do that um, because everybody is looking for solutions and it's important that we um, have practical solutions uh, where those that financing can can go to. So, uh, you know, I think there's going to be more investment than perhaps we've seen in the past. And uh, good for us that we have a strategy on where to uh, place that. That was Fawn Jackson, Director of Policy and International Affairs with the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return next week on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Manitoba Beef Producers Fall District meetings wrap up today at the Oak Lake Community Hall. That meeting starts at 1 p.m. for District 6. Canada's Outdoor Farm Show is hosting an online event November 10th entitled What a Year, a Celebration of Egg Innovation. Go to OutdoorFarmShow.com. 
Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association Regenerative Agriculture Conference takes place November 15th to the 17th at Brandon's Victoria Inn. The Canadian Hemp Trade Alliance is planning its annual conference for November 17th and 18th. This will take place online at hemptrade.ca. The Advancing Women in Agriculture Conference is planned to be held virtually November 22nd and 23rd. And the Association of Manitoba Municipalities is holding its fall convention November 22nd to the 24th. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Friday afternoon, joining us now is the province's entomologist, John Gavlosky, to talk about the 2021 insect summary. We produce a weekly Manitoba crop pest update throughout the summer, and we encourage farmers and agronomists, if they know of um, insect activity or, or pathogen or weed activity in their fields, or if there's been some spraying going on on their farm or for their clients, uh, just to keep us updated so that we can get this thing into our weekly update. We compile all the information for the week. We produce an update at the end of the week. And at the end of the season, I take all the reports that came in throughout the whole season, and I do a end-of-the-season summary. And I also incorporate information from my travels to fields and my summer student and any information I'm aware of regarding uh, insects on crops over the past season. For this year, you know, what were the biggest concerns? Well, the two biggest were grasshoppers and flea beetles. And then probably secondarily after that, it would be diamondback mothing, canola, alfalfa weevil and alfalfa, and maybe to some degree aphids and cereals. I guess let's start with, uh, with flea beetles in, in, in canola. Um, you know, talk about what uh, we saw this year. Well, uh, what really made it a tricky year was the growing conditions. And the, the big thing with flea beetles in canola is if you can get the crop, to at least the three to four leaf stage quite quickly from the time you seed, your risk of damage uh, is lower. This year, there were fields where people were seeded, and it took a long time for the plants to germinate and then to grow through those susceptible stages. So in addition to the seed treatments being on the plant, there was a lot of additional foliar spring that went on. Uh, I had reports of up to um, some growers using up to a four different insecticide applications for flea beetles. So uh, that was at the high end. Uh, but there was a lot of foliar spraying going on, a bit of reseeding. So flea beetles were, uh, again, one of the top concerns this year. And uh, grasshoppers, uh, what did we see there? Now, grasshoppers, it was very patchy. Uh, there were some areas where levels were very high. And they, they were doing a lot of damage in some of the pastures, especially the areas that were really having um, some dry conditions. The pastures and crops were already a bit stressed because of the dry conditions, and you had grasshoppers on top of that. But it was quite variable. Uh, some agronomists and farmers that I talked to said they were keeping an eye on things, but it really wasn't uh, economical, so they weren't really controlling them. Other people were out there multiple times trying to deal with grasshoppers. So it did vary quite a bit depending on where you were. And also the species varied depending on the region. Um, Mainly it was two-striped grasshopper doing most of the damage this year. And there was another species that's a grass specialist called clearwing grasshopper. There were some areas in the interlake and central region where we did see quite a bit of of clearwing grasshopper. And just as a a, a more of an interesting uh, 
observation. There were a few instances where the pastures got dry or eaten up quite a bit, and the clear-wing grasshoppers that were in them, and these are, again, grass specialists, moved into nearby crops such as canola and alarmed the agronomists that were scouting because of the sheer numbers. But in a day or two, they had just moved on. They didn't do any damage at all. So moral of that story is um, do have a look at what they're doing. Uh, sometimes mere presence doesn't mean they're going to do damage to a crop. What insects overwinter? I guess what, what should farmers be watching for... Uh... Next year? Well, our, our big two that I just mentioned, the um, flea beetles and grasshoppers, they can overwinter quite successfully here in Manitoba, and they do most years. So going into next year, I think keep those two at the top of the list. Diamondback moth uh, doesn't overwinter well here. What happened this year was they blew in from the south and some areas in the province, especially further east, had some issues with them. They don't overwinter. And same with the aphids that were in some of the cereals. They don't overwinter here. Uh, alfalfa weevil does. So probably going into next year, if I had to pick two or three, I would say flea beetles, grasshoppers, and maybe to uh, some degree alfalfa weevil. That was provincial entomologist John Gavlosky with Manitoba Agriculture. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Flea beetles and grasshoppers were the top insect concerns this year. John Gavlosky is an entomologist with Manitoba Agriculture. Grasshoppers, it was very patchy. There were some areas where levels were very high, and they, they were doing a lot of damage in some of the pastures, especially the areas that were really having some dry conditions. The pastures and crops were already a bit stressed because of the dry conditions, Then you had grasshoppers on top of that. But it was quite variable. Uh, some agronomists and farmers that I talked to said they were keeping an eye on things, but it really wasn't uh, economical, so they weren't really controlling them. Other people were out there multiple times trying to deal with grasshoppers. The province's 2021 insect summary says aphids were abundant in small grains in some regions from late June to late July. And students are being encouraged to consider a career in agriculture. Shayla Hertz is Think Egg Manager with Agriculture in the Classroom Canada. We want to make sure that youth understand that there is a lot of jobs out there for them and that we are very encouraging of them to be able to take those jobs into the future once they kind of graduate high school. And we just want them to understand that they will certainly fit in agriculture regardless of their background. November is Canada Career Month. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here on Monday starting at 12 noon.